Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2020 is brought to you by the organizational team, Anne, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. Even when the sun broke, we still worshipped it as our god. Even when it died, we trusted its ministers to guide us. When we learned we walked the top buried lies and beneath a hidden oppressor, we finally had enough. Now it is the time to storm the sun and take back what was stolen. Stories of a Broken Sun is an actual play anthology where diverse voices play to find out what happens in every corner of an original world. Friends! We'll never be friends with dirty humans! Well, I'm a human, but I'm not a town human. Don't particularly like towns. Don't particularly like this town. Do like cows, and I like freedom. Prove how much you like cows. Moo! Turn into a cow. Shit, that's heaps. <laughs> <laughs> Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. Welcome to Duskwall. Join the Magpies, a crew of scoundrels and vigilantes, as they try to survive and thrive in a haunted industrial fantasy city. This Blades in the Dark actual play podcast posts new episodes every other Tuesday. Join us at magpiespodcast.net. Hi everyone, this is Richard Kreutz-Landry here representing Whelmed, the Young Justice Files, for this special episode for International Podcast Month. We're going to be playing a game that I am co-writing with Taylor Labresh and Rich Howard, and it's called Descent into Midnight. We're going to play some psionic sea creatures defending their world against an existential threat. Uh, that we're actually going to define here at the table today. So first of all, I'm Richard Kreutz-Landry, pronouns are he, him. Uh, next up, we're going to meet our players. So let's start with Waffles. Hey, I'm Waffles, they, them. You can find me at, at Mahaffey on Twitter, and I'm representing just IPM this year. Uh, I'm currently in between projects. All right, uh, Ursula. Hi, my name's Ursula. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TiredMagpie or by listening to Queer Dungeoneers, who are Queer Dungeons on Twitter. And Matt. Hey, I'm Matt. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Caliber. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, I'm here representing Stories of a Broken Sun, a podcast that I run, Actual Play, which you can find also on Twitter at BrokenSunRPG. Okay. And now let's meet the characters. So first up, Waffles, tell us about the redeemed that you have created today. Their name is a hidden bastion betwixt overgrown tombs, or bastion for short. They are a mailed monstrosity. Imagine uh, a massive turtle shell over a lobster. So it's got like lobster legs, lobster tail, and then an eel dragon-like head out the front. Nice. And just covered in um, bone and coral. Okay. From its home, the Boneyard. Amazing. I imagine was once a battlefield, and they are a walking fortress. Oh, and did we say Bastion's pronouns? Uh, They, them. They, them. Okay. They're calm, stoic, and big and old and ancient. (laughs) All right. And very Eeyore. (laughs) Okay. Love it. 
Um, uh, they have a powerful build and venomous defenses. Oh, dear. Basically, they are large, and smaller things can hide amongst the bone coral, because the coral is poisonous. Amazing. Okay, so kind of like uh, clownfish and anemones and all that, except uh, yeah. riding around on a big giant turtle lobster eel fortress. Loving it. Turtle lobster dragon. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, the redeemed, as you might have picked up, is uh, a character or a playbook that is sort of focused on figuring out what to do with the skills that they have that are built around conflict. Uh, often they can be a creature that was trained or created for violence, um, and they're they're navigating what to do with that. Uh, next up, we're going to hear about the awakened that Ursula created. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm playing an Awakened. Um, I haven't decided if I want them to have a name. Okay. So I think they're just going to be the nameless one for now. Perfect. Their pronouns are they, them. Uh, and the idea that I had was, like, there's there's some great synergy with Waffle's character here. Okay. <laughs> um, a giant manta ray with... Ooh, love it. A like whole reef growing on their oh, back okay. All right. and whether or not the reef is growing on them or kind of in them is really unclear. So what's, what's their, uh, what's their disposition? Um, I've got hulking and huggable for their look. <laughs> so <Okay>. I think <laughs> they're quite intimidating cause they're so large, but at the same time, They've got this whole ecosystem on their back and they're quite pretty mm -hmm. and it's like coral and it's like, ah, yay, coral. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've gone with a tender attitude and a home of the vast emptiness. So what I was kind of imagining Ooh. is this kind of like creature who swims through areas of the ocean, which would be otherwise unoccupied, kind of providing a... Like an oasis in the deep kind of thing. Oh, okay. All right. And what are their gifts? I've got heightened senses and body manipulation, which I've chosen to interpret more as manipulation of the the coral that lives on them. Awesome. And then uh, one of the things about the Awakened playbook, as you might gather from the name, um, it's a playbook that's about a creature who uh, lives in this setting who uh, is normally not sapient. So uh, what that implies is that there are other huge manta rays swimming around through the oceans um, that are not sapient and... Um, the the sort of drive of this playbook is is finding that balance between you know you have this consciousness and you have the sapience and what are you going to do with it now that you have it because there's always the temptation that living in ignorance and being just an animal would be easy um but you have this responsibility to yourself and the other guardians and the community and what do you do with that all right. Uh, and finally, let's hear about the cultivator that you created, Matt. Certainly. Uh, so the cultivator's name is Kerton Teinhoff. Um, and Kerton is, I, I was redesigning him 
uh, a little bit here as we went because we already had two large creatures with gardens growing out of them. I, now, to uh, be fair, like the the image of a squad of these creatures just rolling up yeah. is amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I didn't make two. I didn't change too much. Okay. <laughs> um, so Kertentinhoff is okay. So imagine a crab. Okay. Uh, but keep going bigger. Right. Until eventually you have the crab the size of, say, a town. Amazing. Um, this is Keratin. And Keratin used to be a just a giant crab that kept growing and growing and growing. Like many crustaceans, like lobsters, for example, mm-hmm. they just keep growing throughout their life. Um, and this crab body just kept growing until it was the size of a town. And eventually the actual crab within it passed away. Oh, no. Okay. Yes. But uh, this shell eventually became home to a colony of garden eels. <gasps> so, and uh, as the garden eels congregated within this, uh, within this empty shell, they found that the more of them there were in close proximity, there was some kind of effect that living in here had mm-hmm. that their minds started to network with each other. And so they became essentially this huge collective of interlinked minds and other creatures started to come in and live there as well. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's now, it's just a collective. Okay. And it has created this sort of gestalt personality called Kerton Teinhoff. Okay. But everyone within that personality is still an individual when they wish to be. Okay. So this is a, a huge mobile crab shell that they have turned into through bioengineering a mobile base that they live in it's the body of their of their of their gestalt form fantastic Um, it's got these uh, biomechanical tentacles that come out from the shell each one has a tool for gardening or locomotion built into it okay um they carry supplies loaded into a compartment they built into the underbelly um every plate on a shell uh on their shell Mm -hmm. is covered in different types of foliage and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're always surrounded by schools of fish and other uh, aquatic animals living amongst these things. Okay. Uh, you know, coming and going, joining the collective or leaving it as they wish. All right. Fantastic. And uh, the gifts that uh, you chose are what? Uh, impenetrable armor is one. Okay. This, uh, you know, the the chitin that forms this shell is is so ancient and durable that it's almost impossible to break through. Fantastic. Uh, and bioweaponry. Okay. Uh, which takes the form of various things depending on, on what's at hand um, because it depends who's there and what they're capable of at the time. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and then move choices, uh, the sort of signature move for the cultivator, which as you can imagine from the name is a playbook about, uh, a character who cultivates a garden, um, allows you this, uh, this fancy garden that, um, because of the setting it's biotech, it's psionics, uh, can do incredible things. So what were the benefits and the liability that you chose, uh, for your very cool garden? Uh, so Keratin has uh, medicinal organisms as one of the benefits. Basically, Keratin is a mobile hospital. And uh, they also have, as their other benefit, a bioelectric mainframe, which I've taken to represent the networking uh, of mines that exists within this shell. Oh, very cool. 
And the liability is ostentatious. Uh, all of the different technologies and plants and such growing in and out of and around it. Uh, it just, it's just, there's a constant light show going on, uh, oh, bioluminescence okay. everywhere. You can't miss it. Okay. So there, there is no such thing as keratin being stealthy. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I mean, aside from the fact that they're the size of a town, you know, um, the pronouns are they and them to represent the legion of, of, uh, of minds. Awesome. Um, yeah. So no, no stealthiness. It's always going to be loud and bright and colorful wherever they go. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. So we've got our, our characters ready to go. The next thing that we're going to do uh, is we are going to build this community that you're protecting. So Descend into Midnight is a game about uh, these characters who are very much in tune with each other and the community that they protect. So we're going to ask a few questions and figure out what this place is before figuring out uh, how they connect to it. So let's get started. So the first question is, what is the most defining feature of this community? If this were a movie, what would the camera show first? Uh, and we we have... We know that we've got a boneyard here uh, with our giant turtle, lobster, dragon-headed uh, sort of fortress. Uh, we know that we have a giant manta ray swimming around with this coral reef on their back. Uh, and then, of course, the giant uh, crab exoskeleton linked creature that is Keratin Tynehoff. So what is, the, what is the community that the three of these characters share and participate in um given their their massive size um what is this place i like the idea of it maybe being quite barren and that oh interesting like our characters and maybe other members of the community have found these ways to to kind of cultivate life but it's not it's not like a sprawling you know, thriving ocean floor or whatever. It's like people have kind of had to cultivate their own pockets. Interesting. Okay. So the, the idea being that like, there's a reason that three different kinds of creatures have sort of developed this, this structure of like their own ecosystem being on these large mobile creatures that Mm. that something about the, okay. Uh, so interesting. Okay. So if, if we were sort of like zooming into this alien ocean and seeing sort of this, this, these open areas of, uh, of just open water and then get to the, you know, go down into the dark and then find the bottom of the seafloor and it's empty is, is what, what do we see there? I have an idea. Okay. Uh, just, just a general Mm -hmm. setting idea. Do we think we're constantly in motion? Like there's no real way to settle down. It's more like, a underwater post-apocalyptic, uh, just, uh, what are they, caravan, basically. Oh my gosh. And, like, the the boneyard is on me. Like, mm-hmm. I, am, I am carrying the graveyard portion of our community. Oh my gosh, okay. I love that. Yeah. That's pretty cool, yeah. Okay, so, 
so yeah okay so then then like the opening shot of of this like if it were a tv show or something or a movie like you'd be zooming in you'd go down into the water and then we'd come down onto it and we just see like the three of you moving along through this just wasteland underwater um so what does the seabed look like here is it just like an empty expanse of sand or is there is there some evidence that something has happened here um because one of the one of the big concepts of the game and sort of the the antagonist or the the force that you all are contending with is uh, a corruption and i think it like with that idea we we immediately can go to okay something something about the corruption is causing this um would be my thought um and so what what is the visual storytelling that we do to let the viewer know that this is a wasteland not to go too hard in on the whole climate change aspect but mm-hmm. could it be like bleached coral and just like you know monochrome whiteness ooh okay i love that Okay, so then, yeah, so so we get this shot where it's it's coming down through, you know, from above the water. We get down into the water. We see, like, just this blank expanse of that, like, bleached white bone coral look that's just been, you know, just pounded into sand, basically, with just little bits of it sticking up. And then across that, we see these three large, vibrantly colored creatures moving, right? Um and that's the only color we see. So it's got that like very cinematic quality. I think as we zoom in further, uh, it should be clear to see that uh, like we're not the only ones moving here. Like this okay. caravan, this migratory uh, group is moving with us. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, okay. So it's, you know, there's the these spots of light, but... So it's like you three are the the semis in the the big caravan of all these smaller vehicles that are sort of like attaching to yeah. and moving around. Okay, very cool. So so I think yeah, then then the three of you end up being the biggest ones and the most visible ones. Um but we're we're sort of like following that group and and seeing it move along and there's schools of fish and all this, but then it does that thing where it's like, you know, if, if we're, we're coming down and we see this group and then we sort of like bring the camera down behind them as you all are traveling forward. And then it just like pans off to the side into this emptiness. And you see, you hear that like minor note or minor chord or whatever it is in the music where you're like, Oh, this is bad now. Um, <laughs> and so we, we get that, that, that thing. Um, so the, the community itself moves as this caravan, um, so what I'd like to know then is what is the place that you are going? So, um, because if you're, if you're just moving through this empty landscape forever, there's gotta be, there's gotta be resources in some places that you're going out and seeking and finding. So what is the, what does the place look like that you get to, uh, when we see everyone sort of like stop and get to some resources? Um, what do you find as a group when you get there? Maybe it's like like we've heard about a whale carcass or something oh, that's fallen. Fall. And so we know that there's going to be food. 
Okay. Yeah, it might be it might be like a place that historically uh, the gyres tend to deposit these large bounties to. And Ooh. we have this hope that as we move towards it, it's there will be something waiting for us. Like like how elephants uh, in migration right, yeah. move from uh, oasis to oasis. No, I like that. So we don't actually know if there's going to be something there. We're just kind of hoping. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. So then we... We could, and you can imagine if it were like a longer reform show, you'd be hearing conversations about people of like, you know, will there be this thing and maybe and maybe not, and we just have to hope and all that good stuff. Okay, um, and so the the place that the community is traveling to then is this sort of whale graveyard, and I think there's there's a small community of, of beings who know that people come here looking for it when it's, you know, it's, it's because they know it's a place that people will circle through. And so they sort of live on that, um, that hope that they will survive long enough between them to, to see that like prosper and, 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 uh, that cycle. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so next is, what kind of flora and fauna live in the caravan? I think it would be interesting if it is a community of necessity. Okay. Rather than necessarily one that is that you would normally see together. So you would have, mm. okay. you know, both predator and prey uh, living together and trying to make that work uh, in ways that don't cause too much friction. Okay. Like that requires... Uh, a lot of negotiation and compromise. Interesting. Okay. So like there would be say like sharks that are accompanying the group who are both protecting it and sort of following the source of food and sort of, yeah. okay. Um, so there's like quite a lot of social tension as well then I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Cats, and dogs living together. Uh, <laughs> I also reckon there's probably quite a lot of creatures who maybe, like, don't swim if we're traveling kind of close to the sea floor. Mm-hmm. That okay. we've got lots of swimming creatures kind of around us and following us, but there's also mm-hmm. a lot of kind of other crustaceans and things that are ha- like have to walk along the bottom. Oh, okay. So we've got a kind of got this like multi-layered right. community. Okay. Like literally multi-layered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's, I can imagine too that like when they need to rest, like there will be, um, like there will be inhabitants who like will go down and sort of like shuttle them up to the to the back of one of the three of you, mm. so that they can take turns and rest and all that, so they're not constantly having to walk. Um, okay, I dig it. And what's a one of the species that hangs out when um, you all get to the whale fall? Imagine a sponge and fill it with bees. <laughs> okay. It's like a hive mind of bees. Like Interesting. Okay. So it, or, I guess more like um what are those uh, little sea angels called? Oh, uh I should know. They're this. called sea angels. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so like, imagine a uh, semi-translucent bioluminescent sponge that spits out a bunch of tiny, glowing fish. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I don't know what they're doing. That's fantastic. <laughs> so what if the sponges um, or sort of like the structures that they live in are are actually the hollowed out bones? And then there are these little glowing creatures that live inside of that. And they like they'll hibernate maybe while they're waiting for the next whale fall. But then when they sense something approaching, then they all sort of like come out and get ready to eat. And then they go, oh, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've got the sea angels living in bones. So the next question I think is, what is something that we're afraid of in this community? Predators eating prey. (laughs) Okay. Also running out of food. Okay. So just general like food insecurity. And I guess also like this fear that we're traveling to this location and we have Mm -hmm. no idea whether there's actually going to be anything for us there. Okay. How long do we think this has been going on? Like is, uh, because I I figure most of these characters are old, but are, is there a generation that has only known walking from place to place or are we still hoping against hope that there's somewhere out there that's like it used to be? I bet that this is one of those situations where it's like the, the older uh, creatures remember that it wasn't like this, right. that it wasn't always like this and, and remember that time. And then, you know, there have been maybe one or two generations born during this endless migration that have only known this. Mm-hmm. And there's that hope that we can find some way to get back to how it was. But that hope is, is like something the older generation holds. So it sounds like the the scarcity and sort of the like there's a fear that especially from the older generation that maybe there won't ever be a return to plenty and whatever has caused this is permanent or there is no place safe from it. Yeah. Mm. It's the fear that this is not sustainable. Right. I think for the manta ray as well um being the awakened Mm-hmm. Like, they're probably one of the newer generations who doesn't remember what it was like before, but because oh, they're only kind of recently more sentient, mm-hmm. they never had, or this is kind of the first time they've had an awareness of it having been, or the potential of it being any different than it is now. Yeah, and I mean, what a what a world to wake up in, right? Like... What fun! Yeah. <laughs> um, this whole existence. Happy thing. birthday, world shit. Yep. <laughs> Listen, my birthday. Is, so we're we're recording this in uh, June, early June of 2020, and my birthday is soon, and that's a mood. Um, <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. Um, so uh, the we've got two more questions that I want to answer, and then we'll start plugging your characters into the community, which we've already started doing. Uh, So what is a ritual or celebration that happens in the community? Um, Maybe, you know, I don't know if you know that like sometimes like chimpanzee troops at night when they kind of stop and go to bed and stuff, they kind of like Mm -hmm. sing to each other. I did not know that. That's very cool. In the trees. Yeah. It's like one of the sweetest things. Um, so I wonder if maybe during the times where we've got this kind of cycle of some creatures resting on, on the bigger creatures mm-hmm. and then 
swapping that out and other people walking. But at the times when the large creatures have to rest and everything mm-hmm. stops, there's kind of this like communal singing to Ooh. kind of keep spirits up or something. Okay, I love that. So who uh, who leads that then? Uh, selfishly, I kind of want to say Keratin does. Okay. Um, but that's because I've got the nurturing attitude listed for them. Mm. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. So I, I think this is kind of one of the ways that this community stays together is that in in this song of rest, each part of the community has like a verse that they oh, contribute. Interesting. Uh, and, and like those verses weave together mm-hmm. and they create the song. And that's a reminder to the community that we only have each other. Right. And we must, you know, work together. We must live together. We have to remember that, you know, the rules that we have laid down um, and appreciate what we can do for each other as well. Mm-hmm. I really like that as well because it kind of acts also as like a roll call. Yeah. Right. If this is something that's been going on for a while, like as the herbivores or the, the prey species when, you know, there are some of them that die from various things or other when there's a piece missing from the roll call, I'm seeing like this interplay of like the predators who were able to feed because of that, then basically can sing like a thanks or something to Mm. those people and their family. And it's, it's a whole, like it's a whole cycle of things to, to, you know, because they, they are grateful, right. For that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they scatter the bones on Bastion. Okay. Yeah. And so Bastion literally is the, the graveyard of the community is the boneyard. Bastion carries our history. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, this is the. Are, are you okay with that, Bastion? <laughs> oh, I I am so okay with that that I have an idea. Ooh. Tell us about it for uh, burials, because we have to use everything, mm-hmm. and because of the venomous defenses and whatnot. Like some of it gets turned into fertilizer for this like coral stuff, mm-hmm. but also uh, I figure there are creatures who live in the coral, and there's some profession of uh critters who take the bones and write carve history into them oh interesting as sort of gravestones almost so they're scrimshaw historians that's Mm -hmm. very good i love that with with bastion who's been around for a long time then and and we're saying that that bastion and keratin have been around since this began right Mm -hmm. yeah since before whenever this is okay so then like there's a history there. There are these writings or these carvings that go all the way back to before then. It's kind of a, a nice uh, synergy as well, because as like the mobile hospital, you know, probably a lot of the creatures are uh, born yeah, or mm. uh, healed in and around keratin. And then mm-hmm. once they they've lived out their cycle, then they come to rest on bastion. Interesting. And do do we think that typically like the three of you are in sort of a general arrangement? Do we think that like people are born on keratin at the front and then make their way back through the, the caravan to the end? Like <laughs> I was thinking maybe keratin's in the middle. Okay. And that maybe some of the younger and more energetic creatures are on um the manta ray at the front. Okay. 
and it's kind of slightly like acts as a scout and also as protection mm-hmm. oh, to right, right. Keratin because, in the middle. And then yeah. um, Bastion kind of both trailing behind as kind of guarding symbolically, but also, mm-hmm. yeah, guarding the rear with the spikes yeah. and the poison and stuff. All right. It's also interesting, like they would, uh, like the the young are protected in the middle there with Keratin and then mm-hmm when they're in their prime and they've got the most energy, they surge forward to, to swim and, and, and crawl and such with, uh, with the nameless one. Oh, that's fantastic. And as they grow tired, then they fall back and fall back. It's, uh, really cool. Yeah. All right. I love that. I love this birth, life and death. Mm-hmm. And it's all contained. <laughs> Synergy we've in this. got here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what, what do we think is happening with the bleaching that they don't know about yet as we come into this story? Um, as they're, they're just about to reach the, uh, this whale fall or this, this whale graveyard. Uh, I think they don't know that, uh, there used to be a lot more spots that we could go to and like we are running there. There are almost none left now. Like we're shuttling back and forth between like less than a dozen and there used to be hundreds. Okay. So it's, that's that long-term fear of the sustainability that the older generation have. Okay. So that's it's just one thought. Okay. I mean, I, I like that because the, then it's, it's part of the reason that you are the guardians of this community is a, like you're literally the community, right? For the most part, like the, the majority of people are living on or around you. Um, but also that you, you are conscious of what's going on in a way that not everyone is. Um, let's now get to the part where we figure out how you all, um, are interrelated to each other. We've already started down that path. Um, but each playbook has a set of what we call links, and essentially they're fill in the blank type questions where you fill in one of the other characters uh, or someone can volunteer for it. Um, and then you answer the question and they're meant to figure out how everyone sort of contributes to the group and what everyone's relationships with each other are and generally lead to more conversation about what the world is like. Um, so let's go ahead and do a round of those. So Bastion. Which one of these links do you want to know more about in relation to the nameless one in Keratin Tynhoff? I think um, go with you lost emotional physical control during a stressful situation and uh, the nameless one saw me. Okay. What was their reaction? Uh, so I think there was probably some threat to the caravan, like some manner of giant sandworm. Or some such. Mm, as you do. And they just went full, like, war flashback. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Okay. What did Bastion have to do to protect the community, and did they did they go overboard in that? I, I think we've dealt with similar situations before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, hungry giant predators are also out there trying to eke out a living. Okay. Um but I think there was just somebody like for some reason, this was different. There was somebody in the way, some small fish or some such. Mm -hmm. And instead of just like putting myself between them and just like 
corralling the thing out, I went on the offensive. Mm-hmm. So what did what did the nameless one do seeing this? Did the little fish or whichever member of the community get hurt in the process? Or was it more like a you saw that they were threatened and went full attack dog? Yeah, I think that. Okay. I think that probably happened like when the nameless one was still quite fresh to the community and rather than being kind of scared by it, Mm -hmm. it was kind of this really defining moment for them where they saw that that kind of fight or flight reaction can be used to protect others. Okay. So it was almost reassuring in a way? Yeah. Okay. Not ne- or reassuring, but also kind of a kind of realization mm-hmm. that there's more to survival than just protecting yourself. All right. And what about the nameless one? Which one of them speaks to you? I like what was your biggest what was your biggest struggle adapting to the local culture and mm-hmm. who helped you adapt? So I think We've established that this manta ray is quite young comparatively. Mm-hmm. Probably still quite old by human standards, but old but young by the standards of this kind of caravan in the world and compared to Keratin and Bastion. Um, and I think when they first met and joined the caravan, they were probably a bit too energetic. Mm-hmm. So that kind of puppy energy where they were excitable and wanting to maybe go faster and swim ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think probably Keratin being this kind of very nurturing and community-minded, literally, I guess, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> being kind of had to take the nameless one aside and kind of be like, look, <laughs> chill out. You need to conserve your energy you can't draw attention to us, like, mm. grow up, basically, a little bit. Like, you can't... You have responsibilities now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. If you want to be part of this community, you have, uh, you know, that kind of mm. thing. That's fantastic. All right. And finally, what about Keratin Tynhoff? I'm going to put that uh, Bastion helped build the foundation of your garden. Uh, why did they help you and or what did they inspire about it? And I think perhaps Bastion met the uh, original group of, of eels mm-hmm. that made up Keratin before they had their crab body. Oh, okay. And I, I think seeing how Bastion was able to like carry around this uh, history on their back and, and so on, like with the turtle shell and everything Mm -hmm. inspired them to try and find a a hardened type, a hardened mobile base of their own. Oh, interesting. They could use to tend to their garden and attend to their people. Okay. Um, and perhaps bastion being the boneyard type (laughs) was able to direct them to this, uh, this relic. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it was like hanging out already. Yeah, it was just you know where it was li- where it had stopped moving basically, mm-hmm. and it just was still there, and no one could do anything with it because it's just this big hunk of 
you know, it's the size of a town and mm-hmm. nobody can really get into it. Interesting. So. Okay. I love that. Well, so then I, I have a question then. So waffles, um, one of the things that Bastion has is this powerful build, right? And we know that one of Keratin's big features as well is their sort of impenetrable armor. Um, was like, do you think that cracking the shell open to get access for the eels was part of that? Yeah. I, I think, um, I think there used to be a lot more of, uh, whatever Bastion is in the world back mm-hmm. way back when, before okay. the eels had their own home. And I think it took a number of, oh, of them to break it open. Okay. Like, because it is so tough. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, their defining characteristic is it being impenetrable. So right. I think it would take a number of bastions to get in there. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it was like a community effort. Um, so then I guess my next question is what happened to the rest of, of bastions kin? I uh, don't want to answer that. Okay. I, I like, I like that mystery. I okay. I know it has something to do with, whatever's happening now perfect um and i know like my mental image of them are as like they were once the maginot line basically of this community okay they were a defensive wall of a community but other than that i don't really know okay so with the nameless one they are also this giant manta ray right um and Often, if we have uh, an Awakened in the party, usually uh, they tend to be part of a larger, vibrant community that there's – it's a big, sprawling metropolis, right? Is one of the the sort Mm. of uh, things that usually happens in a lot of the settings. So with one of the pod, right, and and talking about like the ability to ask your kin for help, um, I think it might actually be interesting to have that sort of translate to the community at large. And so like the, the, the creatures that are hanging out with you and nurturing you and all those, like all, all your, your, you know, uh, your scouts and everything, it's them, right. Rather than other big giant manta rays since we don't see a lot. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Now we get to the part where we, uh, if we were doing a longer form game and we had a little bit more time, we'd talk more about the corruption, but I think we've actually got a pretty good idea of what's going on in the setting. Uh, and so we're going to actually move on to the adventure part of the game. All right. So we see the camera moving down through the water into the depths. And the first thing we see at the front of this column of creatures are healthy, vibrant fish and sharks and other creatures swimming at the head of the column. And behind them, we see the nameless one, a giant manta ray with a reef embedded in their back, who is leading the charge through this vast emptiness of this caravan. They're followed by a massive town-sized crab crawling along the bottom, uh, Keratin Tynhoff, who is acting almost like a nursery with a garden that's growing on them. And inside of this impenetrable shell is this colony of eels and other creatures who have linked themselves into a hive mind to make this shell move and be their home and a garden and everything else. 
And there's these vibrant lights that stand out among the desolation of the seafloor here, the bleached and dead coral and sand and expanse of nothingness. And finally, at the end, we have Bastion, this mailed monstrosity of a, of a turtle lobster with a dragon eel head erupting from the front of it. Um, they, they have also something on their back. They have a boneyard that contains the scrawled history of this community etched into the bones of those who have passed on. And as we see them pass, we're left with the emptiness they leave behind and the sense that there's nothing out here between the oases. We turn around, we, we see looking at this column of creatures from behind moving back through it until we get to the front. And just in the distance, we can see these large whale bones sticking up from the desolation and you can see bits of, of dark spots and some of them scattered across. And as the group approaches, we see that they are actually little hexagonal holes cut into the, these bones. And as the group approaches, these small, small translucent creatures that look like, um, little sea slugs almost with wings that sort of propel them uh, come out and swarm with life and light to greet them. We hear a variation of the rest song uh, that the, the caravan sings when they stop to rest um, in joyous greeting, responding to the sea angels as they erupt from the bones. But there's a note of sadness the boneyard is there, but it's empty. It's just bones upon bones upon bones with no new whale fall. So as the group approaches, what are Bastion and the Nameless One and Keratin feeling as they see that this place, this oasis that they had hoped would have food for the community that they've been traveling for a while to get to through this desolate space, they find it empty. I think the nameless one is like a little bit in denial again, in that way that young, excitable creatures can be where it's mm -hmm. like, well, this isn't so bad. Like, it's always worked out before, so it'll work out now. So I think there's not, like, hesitance, mm -hmm. but not despair yet. Okay. Kind of like, oh, this is new, but it's not terrible mm. yet. Okay, what about, um, what about Bastion? I think Bastion, like, sees it knows what they're going to have to do and that is march more but knows that they're not marching today mm -hmm. so just like heavy thumps down onto the ocean floor and pulls the 
with six legs in and tucks its head in and just goes to sleep. Okay. <laughs> it's depression sleeping time. <laughs> mood. What a mood. <laughs> yes. Uh, and what about Carrots and Tynehoff? How are they feeling? Oh, bad. Bad, <laughs> bad, bad. Um, that said, Keratin is pretty practiced at not showing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in seeing that there is no uh, anticipated bounty here, some parts of Keratin go off down to one control center and start calculating how long it's going to take to get to the next mm-hmm. possible one and you know what the supplies are, are going to take. So they immediately launch into that, okay, let's get to work. Right. And while that's happening, uh, seeing that Bastion is settling down, Keratin's like, yeah, let's work with that. And so they also, you know, massive body settles down into the, into the silt and it drifts up a bit around them. Mm-hmm. The creatures are flitting about and, uh, they begin to sing the song of rest. All right. Like I said, there's a, there's a note of, of sadness and weariness in it. I think that that always grows as the the travel gets further and further along, but is more noticeable now because the sapient creatures among those who travel with the caravan know what this means. The sea angels approach sort of woken by the presence of other living beings. And the, one of the things that we haven't talked about too much in this setting is the echo. So you can think of it as if the physical world is an iceberg, right? Floating in the sea of everything, of all possibilities, of all worlds, of all times, then the thing that it is floating in is the echo. The physical world is, is a small portion of reality that has coalesced out of the echo. The psionics in this game, they operate through that. Right. So when you, when you want to do something extraordinary, you reach out, you connect with the echo, you connect with the power that's there and use your will to, to make things happen. And alternatively, things that live in the echo can, can reach back and affect the physical world. And, uh, the way that sapient creatures in this setting communicate is actually through the echo that you project your thoughts or what you're trying to communicate into the echo. And it is translated back to the creature that you're talking to, which allows sort of the psionic communications and everything. And because of that, and, and because of the unique connection that all three of you have as these guardians of this community who are particularly gifted with these these special powers right that you can use through the echo you have a strong connection to each other and so the sea angels they're not sensing the presence of life through vibrations or sight they actually don't have like olfactory organs or eyes in the way that that we think of them they're actually just sensing the presence of this group of creatures in the echo and that's that's how they're coming out and they're navigating and you hear a, a burble of excitement from them. Um, that's more of a, uh, it's not really words. It's just sort of a feeling of like lightness and bubbling and sort of a, a tangy salt taste as they're sort of like reaching out to see who's there. So who would be the one who, who talks to them? I feel like the most outgoing one might be the nameless one. 
<laughs> kind of the youngest one and the Just being young and full of energy. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think, <laughs> again, kind of leaning into that idea of youth, it's kind of like, uh, is someone going to talk to them? It's not me. I'm not, I don't do this. This is new. <laughs> but I guess if no one else, <laughs> like if the other two have just kind of been like, fuck it and gone to sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think maybe eventually the manta ray will be like, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So they kind of swim up. Just mm-hmm. gently, gently rippling. And they're just kind of like, okay. Um, he- hello. So when you when you send that message through, the taste that you're you're sort of like that that impression of taste that you're getting switches from like a salty taste uh, to a little bit of sulfur for a moment. Um, as they sort of like scatter for a moment, they're very skittish, and then sort of moves slowly back into uh, like a salt and then a sweet taste as they start to approach. And they start swarming around you, uh, and you get this feeling of of curiosity and um, that moment of sulfurous fear, like passes quickly as they realize that oh wait we know this person, and uh, you get a, a questioning sense of like how was your journey and you know how are you and it's very sort of bland but friendly i suppose would be the the sensation that you get like they they want to know how things have been and and all of that i imagine this is kind of like a big dog meeting a little dog type situation Mm -hmm. and when they're like curious and being friendlier manta ray perks up a little bit Mm -hmm. and like swims around a little do Mm -hmm. we talk in like the way people communicate or the way these creatures communicate is it more with words or more with these kind of feelings it's any way that you'd like to that's the fun of the echo is you can communicate however you like okay i think probably again given that the the manta ray is so recently sentient um Mm -hmm. they probably communicate more similarly so they kind of send back this feeling of tired and mm-hmm. hungry, but okay. glad to be here. Okay. But also, like, when is the whale? Mm. So I think there's a there's an agreement of like the uh, again there's like a, a sweet taste uh, and a salt taste um, as you sort of like get that uh reciprocation of like it's good that you're here and it's nice to be here and all that um and then as you start to feel that hunger and then the 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 question of where is the whale um so have you been to a thermal vent before i would imagine that that might be one of the places that's on the rotation maybe um yeah so yeah, so that's the sensation that they have when the the hunger to them. Um when you mention that, it starts to feel like um the temperature of the water rises rapidly around you and you know that it's just a sensation, but you feel that like the the hunger for them comes across as a as a heat and there's it starts really low. Um as you're first starting to communicate it. And then as that 
thought completes and communicates to them, it's just this ramp of like feeling a little warm. And then there's a point where it feels like you're almost boiling. Um, and then it cuts off as they sort of like, Oh, whoops, sorry. Right. Um, (laughs) and you, you, again, you get a little bit of that, like, um, a tinge of the sulfur, right. As they're starting to be fearful for you. And you see, you watch as, Mm. um, this this swarm of them had come out to greet you right and and they're translucent and they they all have sort of this um this phosphorescence about them or this bioluminescence um in these really bright shiny colors of you know yellows and neons and greens and light purples um and what you see as that you feel that little bit of sulfurous fear um, as sort of an undercurrent in the thoughts, you see several of them start to like go back into the the bone caves that they've carved out of these large whale bones. And you feel as like the sensations from the group start to get muted as more and more of them, you feel them going back to sleep. And there's a moment where you're starting to feel a little drowsy just for a moment, you see many of them just going back to hibernate until food arrives, essentially. But there's a few of them who are, you know, going around and exploring, who are either more curious or just not as wise as some of their fellows. Um <laughs> And are just kind of like going around and you can see some of them trying to like nip it uh like pieces of vegetation or um some of the like uh less active fish who sort of like you know like will move and 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 twitch and then they sort of like uh jet away and then sort of like flap their way back um into the caves so you you don't really get an answer right away but this would be a great time to use the move scan the environment. Uh, so when you investigate the world around you, uh, describe what sense, expertise, power, or skill you use to interact with your environment and role plus community. So I think talking to these creatures in the way that you did and sort of like interacting with them that way will be how you're, you're trying to get this information. So you're going to roll 2d6 plus your community stat. I also have heightened senses, so I imagine I'm kind of Maybe, like, sniffing around a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that's a seven minus one is a six. Ooh, excellent. Uh, we've got our first trail of the game. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a good start. Here we go. Yep. And that'll actually highlight the harmony mechanic. Uh, so you can think of harmony and corruption. We've got two tracks for your your playbook. Um, and they're sort of like an experience track. Uh, a good one and a bad one. So harmony is good, as you would imagine. Uh, so you can actually go ahead and mark a harmony. Um, if you fill that up, then that's how you get an advancement. And you're also able to uh get a harmony token that would go on the community map um which we would use in longer term play and you'd be able to put it somewhere on the community to represent that uh things are going well or the community is coming together and is strengthening so you got a six minus so you automatically get to mark a harmony as you learn from your mistakes and i get to do something here and i have the perfect thing so you're reaching out, you're talking to them and you, you see as most of them just go back and hibernate. And I think, well, let me ask you, how, how does the nameless one react to them essentially going, Oh, well, 
there's no food. Bye. I think they kind of do that that kind of uncertain thing of kind of maybe following mm-hmm. some of them until they like like oh yeah we're going this oh oh you're oh, going home right, okay, right, okay yeah. bye um, and then following another one I said oh no you're you're going too <laughs> okay. okay and kind of that really like unsure back and forth. So we have that scene of where you're doing that awkward thing of like, oh, we're doing a, uh, oh, you're okay. Um, And (laughs) at that moment, there's a shadow that falls over the area. And I think the, but let me ask you all, have you ever been here when a whale fall actually happened or have you just sort of shown up after the fact? I don't think the nameless one's been here when a whale falls okay. happened. I don't think they have that diversity of experience yet. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Bastion or Keratin? I think Keratin has seen whale falls before, but not here. Okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, seen them from a distance sort of deal. Okay. Uh, so then... Then this is perfect. And the nameless one has no idea what the heck is going on <laughs> as this shadow falls over them, right? Um, and you're you're looking to the the sea angels who have just sort of you know um, popped back into their their caves or whatever, and you're following them. And there's that moment that you have of like, oh, it's a dis-, you know you're you're disappointed as as they disappear back into it. And as the shadow falls over you, they erupt back out. Um, in this cascade of, of lights with these, you know, like I said, the, the, the yellows and the neons and the, the light purple color. And it's that like, Oh, cool. Um, whale, 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 there's a whale now. Whale. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so you look up and there is a shadow at first. And there was that moment where you kind of do the, and you look up, um, actually as a ray, you might not even have to do that. You can probably just point the eyes up or turn to one side a little, but but yeah. Um, and uh, and so what you see above you is this massive, massive creature coming out of. You're not sure what. So it it looks like. Um, have you ever seen somebody like with a green screen and like. They, you know, or someone who's got like a hood on or something like that on a green screen or something where it's just like a body part just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it's like. It, so you see as the the front of this whale is coming out of nowhere. And as you look up at where the the back of it should be, right, as it's erupting from this thing, you just see this void. It's coming from you just don't know where and it's um and the shadow is growing and growing and growing as this massive creature is um is coming out of it and um within seconds this thing has erupted from this circular void that's a hole to nowhere it's it's like a it's like a bad looney tunes thing, <laughs> right and it's just sitting there and it as the 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 whale comes out of it it starts to fall and you see as the 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 void this hole in the water above you starts to slowly iris closed so 
what do Bastion and Keratin do as this whale comes out of nowhere? Oh boy. So yeah, you're just noticing that all of a sudden it's like, wait, the, the sea angels are back. And I think the experience that Bastion and Keratin both have with just like things around them in general, I think both of you pick up that there is something very wrong happening with the echo right now. And you get that heads up and you, you look around and there's this whale that wasn't there before you both have seen whale falls, uh, maybe not up close, but you know how they work, that it's, it's a, it's a dead whale that just sort of floats down after it has floated up. Um, but this giant whale carcass shows up out of literally nowhere. And there's this weird tear in the echo between the echo and physical reality. That's just hanging out right above it. Um, what do you do? Uh, I think Keratin first wants to make sure that they are not at risk of being landed on by the whale. Okay. So we'll, you know, extend their legs. You know, you can see the, the biomechanical parts of it lighting up as it, rises Mm -hmm. up to its height again and begins to move backwards. Um, But as they do this, I I think they want to send out some type of scouting device towards this void to just be like, this is wrong. What is this? I I must know what this is. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that because of the speed at which this happened, um, and because it came out of nowhere, you had no warning. We we said before that the the caravan travels with keratin walking along the bottom, but there are lots of like crustaceans and other creatures that don't have the maneuverability um, to be able to to swim with the column. And so there is this group of you know probably hundreds of crustaceans and um nudibranchs and and other creatures that that travel along the bottom that are directly in the path of this whale carcass as it starts to 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 fall okay well if the community's in danger then that that changes uh priorities rather than mm-hmm. uh looking at the void i think um i think they start building like uh they immediately all the their back opens up the shell and just this massive <laughs> tentacles explodes out all covered okay. in tools and like some of them begin reaching underneath to grab supplies out of the pouches and others are scooping mm-hmm. things together and they're just trying to like as quickly as possible build a, a an organic structure over Mm-hmm. the threatened parts of the community that will in some way perhaps mute or get the, the carcass to slide yeah. away rather than crushing them. Okay. So that definitely sounds like, uh, the reef protects its own, right? Building up your garden to defend, uh, your allies, your community. Yeah. Give it a try. All right. So it's literally just, uh, through, so you describe what happens. So you grow a garden to defend your allies. Uh, so you just automatically, you get plus one ongoing to defend, um, which you'll then be able to roll. Okay. Uh, and then the community, it, it I think uh, Bastion and the Nameless One will be able to get out of the way, but these members of the community won't. Um, so essentially, you'll have plus one ongoing to defend uh, the, the, the crustaceans and the nudibranchs and all that. Uh, all right, so I'll roll plus altruism and add an yep. extra one to that. So my altruism is plus two. 
Okay. I rolled a six plus two is eight. Okay. Uh, so on a seven to nine, you're going to get to choose two. So you take the hit, you end up in a bad spot, or you lash out at a friend. So these creatures are defended, but something not great happens. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I think uh, I end up in a bad spot for one thing. Okay. And I had to pick one more from that list. Um, yeah. Okay. I think they're building the garden and they're creating this lattice work and, you know, the things are mm-hmm. growing up in, at, uh, you know, mind bending speed. Um, right. But they can see it's still not going to be enough. So instead okay. they, uh, move forward to put their entire body over the threatened part of the community mm. and, uh, they take the hit as well. Okay. Um, so I think the, uh, what we see is this giant, massive whale carcass just settling down and it's not moving super like it's not moving incredibly quickly, but it's moving fast enough and it's large enough that you just, you realize, like you said, you don't have time to complete the structure. And so I'm going to have you mark a condition. The way the game works, uh, like many PBTA games, is there are conditions associated with each stat. And like the stats, which are about sort of the emotions involved and your connection to the community, the conditions that you mark are sort of the opposite side of that. So instead of calm, it's anger. Instead of community, it's being sort of like isolated from the community or or things like that. Instead of altruism, it's selfishness. Um, So how does, as you you take this hit and you bear the brunt of the weight of this thing, how does that make you feel? Uh, I think they feel conflicted. um, Okay. Because on the one hand... This is what they're here for. The, the food is here now. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, they are now stuck underneath a whale carcass. And this is, <laughs> you know, it's a very, like, they know if I move before we've, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sufficiently harvested this or sufficiently mm-hmm. uh, carved it up, then people are going to get hurt, including yeah. me. But we need this but people are going to get hurt. So it's just like they're paralyzed by this, uh, frankly, terrible situation they have ended up in. (laughs) Okay. So to Um, summarize, on the other hand, ow. Yes, (laughs) pretty much. (gasps) And uh, yeah, what's, what's Bastion doing as this happens? So I think Bastion is slow to act Mm -hmm. as old dragon turtles are wont to do. Mm-hmm. But I would like to redirect the current and okay. just come up from behind and just push the whale into the graveyard. Interesting. Okay, so you're going to just try and use your powerful build. Just shoulder check it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, roll to remove an obstacle in your path, in this case pretty much literally, and roll plus calm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sound. <laughs> well, I had a, a two and another two, and I added two, so I got a six. Am I able to help with that at all? I was going to ask okay. if we should use Act as a team for this, but I think it's a little late now. Actually, I mean, hey, if 
here's the thing. Um, at what act as a team does uh, mechanically is it asks you some questions as you face a challenge and you build essentially a pool of maneuver that y'all get to spend to help each other out. So that's how the helping mechanic works. So if we want to say that this is all happening as you're holding up you know, the, the carcass, uh, from crushing those below and bastion is trying to shoulder check this thing. You all are in constant psionic communication with each other at all times. Um, you can share anything you wish to as part of it. We actually have uh, something called the sanctuary, which we're not going to get to in this game, but it's essentially a shared mental space that you can inhabit. But for now, nameless one, do you want to go ahead and help coordinate and act as a team? Yeah. So when you act as a team, we ask a question. Are all team members pursuing the same resolution? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. We're trying to protect the community and get this whale off of you. Uh, so that's a plus one. Did you take time to prepare for the challenge? No. 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 Okay. Uh, does anyone not trust another member of the team? I don't think so. I think. Seems like we're pretty solid yeah. right now. Okay. Uh, and is everyone suffering at least one condition i think we've only had one condition so far so we're good on that yeah just me uh so you're gonna be able to roll 2d6 and that plus one that you got from answering those questions oh that's good that's a 10 yay okay all right so on uh on a hit uh each team member holds one maneuver so everybody gets one maneuver that they can spend um because of your uh because of one with the pot, you're actually going to get an additional maneuver. So you're sitting at two uh, as opposed to one for everyone else. And because you got a 10 plus, the leader chooses one team member to hold an additional maneuver. So somebody else gets one more. Um, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense to give that to Bastion. Since okay. they're... Yeah. Literally doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, and then the way that you spend that maneuver is um, each character can spend one maneuver to affect a particular role. And essentially, you can add plus one to a basic move that someone has just made, or you can spend one to add to defend another or solving wounds that you just did. So essentially, it's you can spend plus one to help out. So in this case, we could... Uh, all you have to do is say, how is the nameless one helping to turn that six into a seven? Uh, I think they're just gonna, seeing that happen, turn around mm -hmm. and since they're kind of the fastest and most maneuverable, they're just gonna swim mm -hmm. up really quickly and maybe, you know, Bastion's like, got it, and then nearly there, and then nearly there, and then nearly there, mm -hmm. and then the nameless one comes up and just goes, bump, <laughs> and it goes, <laughs> 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 Okay, so fantastic. So we see that happen. Uh, we see the carcass sort of move off of these crustaceans and um, the nudibranchs uh, who are being protected by the beginnings of a structure. Uh, and then, of course, keratin themselves. And there's a massive upheaval of this bleached powdered bone and sand and coral that erupts into the water and the visibility becomes just terrible. Um, and you can, you can taste the, the, the dead coral um, as it sort of like poofs out in this cloud in the way that only 
massive amounts of particulate matter and water can do. And there's a moment of relief as everyone appears to be safe for the moment. And the nameless one, you're, you're down to one maneuver now, but as you sort of all act against this challenge and if that were the end of it, great. We would say, okay, that's the end of the scene. And that maneuver goes away since we, you know, uh, have, have finished the challenge and we're, we're all good. However, something happens. So I'd love to know from you all, what is either wrong with the whale carcass or what comes out of that void hanging out above in this murky water now? Hmm. Uh, oh, I did still only roll a seven, though. So there is an instability or a cost. That's true. Just a heads up. Yeah, so so tell me what the instability or the cost is, because I, I feel like as a, um, as a group, we'll come up with something good here. I think um, some part of it is a bit of history. I think there were, like, oh. two large bones, uh, like uh, other dragon turtle bones that were on the shell that got cracked in half. No. Oh, interesting. Pushing this thing over. Okay, so they were kind of the ones up front maybe that like got sheared off or cracked as you as you impacted yeah. with it. Okay. And they like tore off and are now down there in in the bone cloud. Uh so then what what were their names? Um because that that history is now crushed. I think um a light of first dawn and a sunny grove unmoved okay by waves and i think you feel that right you you mm-hmm. know as you you feel those snap you know what's happening um and you lose just that little that little piece of i'm a mark despairing <laughs> okay i was just going to say that feels like marking a condition so i i will give you a choice then does something else that does not belong here erupt from the void or does the carcass itself carry with it something? I like the idea of the carcass carrying it. Okay. Then I think what happens is you, you like you can no longer see that terror in reality through which this thing came, but you can feel that there's something wrong there, but it's slowly, it's slowly disappearing. And as the, the sort of, not the dust, but like the, the sand and everything settles um, and invisibility starts to improve. You can see as it finally iris is closed and becomes nothing, just water where it should be. The sea angels retreated a bit as the, the thing impacted, but they sense food and the nameless one, you definitely feel like what feels like the water heating up around you is that hunger uh, comes to a fever pitch as they descend on the whale fall. And, uh, and the, the creatures who uh, are part of the community on each of you who live on each of you are starting to come out and beginning to go feed. So as they're doing that, this massive whale begins to twitch and move zombie and zombie whale (laughs) and the 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 way that you all perceive things obviously there's sight and there's feeling as there's temperature but the echo gives you sort of a, a sixth sense and you felt that hole in reality close 
but there's still this lingering sense of something wrong in the echo and you're not sure what it is. And that's when you start to notice the whale carcass twitching and you're looking at it and you can see that it's, it's rotted and um, it it's bloated and you, you can see all the, the signs of a regular whale fall. Um, but it starts moving and there's a moment where you're not sure what's happening and then you feel it like lurch away and the 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 carcass itself doesn't seem to move but you start to smell the scent of of blood and the water on the opposite side of the creature begins to darken as something is happening on the other side of it and the the creatures of the, that are part of the community like kind of back away a little bit because they're not sure what's happening and you see the sea angel sort of pulse back. And again, you get that feeling um, of sulfur um, as you, you can sort of taste their fear. What would you like to do? Uh, I want to basically put myself between the whale and Carton and probably mm-hmm. just tell uh, tell the fish to get behind me. Okay, so you're kind of like gathering everyone behind you and... and uh, sticking yourself right there. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you looking over it or are you just waiting on the current side of the whale that you're on? I think I'm just going to slowly approach. Okay. That seems, that seems like a terrible plan. We'll do that. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. So you're, you're like getting closer and you can see it sort of twitching and there's, there's more sort of this, this cloud of liquid coming out from the other side of it. And right now that side of it, the opposite side of it is facing toward the whale graveyard. So it's got this backdrop of these huge bones sticking up out of the sand and you can see the the tips of some of these large bones actually moving. So you can tell that there's something moving on the other side of it. And after a moment, you see it lurch a couple of times. And then it lurches one last time. And you see some of these bones on the other side of it smash and move as something crashes into them. And coming up from behind it, you see its skeleton wrapped in this strange like it's it still got bits of the the like the whale flesh and everything on it um but there's this bright purple sort of uh like fungus or moss or something that's like attached to it that looks like it's going along the the whole skeleton um and you can see the the um the places near where the this fungus is this purple fungus is you can see sort of this bleached color in the bone as though it was being bleached from the inside out and you recognize that color and it, it's just there's this moment where it's very very stark against this this wasteland background of it has that same color as the sand and this this corruption that has been destroying the environment around you and you go, uh, and then what happens? I think that you go, I was about to say, nobody has anything. I'm going to charge it, but (laughs) you have something. So I was going to say, I think the manta ray charges it. Yeah. Okay. Because 
they see that their community is in danger and that Bastion is kind of facing this down by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for the nameless one, that like you have those heightened senses, right? And so you're perceiving all these things with with sight, with with taste, with touch, with the the sense that you're getting from the sea angels. It's all like really intense for you. And as you're looking at this, you're you're seeing all these things and you're you're processing all these things really quickly and you're you don't know what this purple stuff is that seems to be animating the skeleton, but but you know, you know that bleaching. And the the only time you've ever seen this before is, oh, it's okay, so coral dies and you know, from temperature change or some sort of pollutants or the the chemical makeup from a thermal vent changes because of seismic activity, whatever. But you've never seen something bleached from the inside. And immediately that just stabs you like a knife, that realization of what's happening here. So you charge. Um, So my question then is, are you giving into violence or are you trying to protect someone else from harm? Because it it looks like it's, (laughs) I mean, okay. So it's, it's, are you taking the initiative to destroy it before it can get to people? Or is it something where you, you believe that it's coming towards you and actively going to try and attack Bastion and you are trying to defend Bastion from harm? Probably more the first one, actually. I think it's okay. it's like, yeah, I've realized what, not what it is, but what it's doing. Okay. And I'm like, none of that, please. <laughs> okay uh then in that case uh we are going to use the unleash move which is actually not one of the basic moves it's one of the special moves uh that works a little differently uh so again this is one that works based on questions so we have three questions um are you doing this to protect your community yes okay that's plus one are you doing this because you're the only one who can no Okay, because Bastion could definitely be Bastion doing this. could do it. Although mm-hmm. I'm the only one who's realized it this quickly, but I still think the answer to that's no. Okay. Uh and are there really no other options? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the mm. Okay, so we're going to stick with a plus 1 then on these. Um so go ahead and roll 2d6 plus 1. that's a four oh good okay so with a four even with the uh with maneuver spends from both bastion and keratin that's still going to be a failure so we'll save the maneuver (laughs) so goodness um so you rush forward and i think what happens is there's all sorts of whales that come through this place and this space, right? That, that come to die here. It's not just, um, it, it seems to be a, almost like a communal graveyard for the whales in this part of the ocean. And granted this whale came from who the hell knows where, but as you see the, the skeleton come up, you're seeing this and, and you saw that as the spine sort of like reared up out of the boneyard. And as you're rushing forward, 
the head finally comes into view and you see the like 12 meter long head of a toothed whale of a predatory toothed whale come into view right as it snaps into one of your wings. Owie. <laughs> I'm going to have you mark a corruption right away mm. because this is, this is not your average sort of, you know, shark or predator or whatever. Uh, and I'm also going to have you roll and endure in this case. Um, when you endure physical, emotional, or psychic trauma, roll plus conditions marked. And this is another one of the special moves. In this one, you actually want to roll low. Knowing me, I will roll high. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no condition mark, so it's a okay. plus nothing. It's just a straight 2d6, and you want to roll low. I did roll low! Hey, what'd you That's get? That's a five. Nice. Okay, so on a six minus, you avoid further consequences, um, and you also mark a harmony. I think your heart was in the right place and you acted quickly doing the right thing and you probably won't do the same thing in the future <laughs> as quickly knowing how squishy you are compared to Sebastian. You managed to pull it away with with just the barest bit of damage as it rakes a couple of the teeth across your flesh, but you it's all happening very quickly, and so you're not sure, or I don't know, if if you would see the bit of the purple fungus that's hanging out on its teeth sort of start burrowing its way into that graze that you have. So it's the beginnings of, of that corruption being represented there. So what is Keratin doing as this is happening and as the Nameless One is shot past Bastion? So the void above us closed, right? Yep. Okay, good. Let's see. And and you're feeling all this going on. That realization that the nameless one had is something that you can you can transmit to the group essentially, so they can know all of that and they they would have felt that stab of pain from this um, and know that you're injured. Um, yeah, I think I definitely would have done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I think I mean Keratin has bioweaponry and stuff, but I don't think mm-hmm. Keratin's role here is fighting in general. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime they can avoid it because they're a hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think Keratin sees like what's going on. They've got some of their tentacles are out and they've got like camera apparatus on them mm-hmm. uh, trying to keep track of what's going on. And like, they're still feeling conflicted. So like they're, their large feet are like they take a couple steps forward, a couple steps back. Like, should I go in there? Should I help? Do mm-hmm. I need to stay back here with the community? It's like that conflict is really in the way. But they see, um, I think what they see in this moment is the despair in Bastion next to them. Mm-hmm. And I think I would like to solve wounds. Okay. If Bastion will accept Keratin's help. Yeah. Yeah. So salve wounds is when you tend to another suffering, ask them if they accept your help. And if the answer is yes, you get to do some mechanics. So what is what does that look like? What are you saying or what are you projecting to Bastion? And how does Bastion respond to that in the moment? I think the thing that is most obvious to Keratin and uh, having known Bastion for a long time is the loss of that history. And, Mm, um, like 
keratin can't get that back as it was. That's not possible. It was destroyed. Yeah. But keratin has all of these wondrous systems within them. Mm -hmm. And what they project to Bastion is images that they have captured over the, over the eons they've been, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the ages they've been together of Bastion from different angles, doing different things. And they freeze and they pause. And it's like this collage and it, each one zooms in onto those things that are now missing. And mm -hmm. I think the, the feeling that keratin projects is not all is lost bastion. Okay. And, uh, bastion, how, how do you, uh, how do you respond to that? Uh, I think, I think we're going to nest some moves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd like to use, um, heart of violence. Okay. Uh, I have the storm. Okay. Uh, when you remain calm during a conflict with a powerful opponent, mm -hmm. you ask your allies if they think you can prevail. Okay. They say yes, clear condition. If they show concern, mark harmony and plus one forward. And I don't think uh, I'm asking, like, I'm asking, like, clearly the text here is can we beat the giant uh, whale bones of doom? Yeah. But the subtext mm -hmm. here, and the thing I think Bastion is really asking is. Like, oh, how does this all end? Yeah. The marching from place to place. The, like, Bastion is old and not immortal. Mm -hmm. And one day their bones will be, uh, there will be no one to carry them. Right. Should I roll salve wounds? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's roll plus hope. And then I think we'll see how that goes and and we can use that to inform your answer to that whether whether the storm can be weathered i suppose <laughs> <laughs> okay um i'll do my roll here plus hope my hope is zero <laughs> okay uh but i've rolled a seven okay so that is a hit you successfully render aid and with that bastion can clear a condition or hold one maneuver I think I will, I think because we got a success, mm -hmm. I will hold a maneuver and then clear a condition with Eye of the Storm. So we okay. get both. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so it, it I think there's, there's that moment of, like, it doesn't answer the question necessarily of what are we going to do, but the asking of the question and the support that you get of, like, all is not lost and those things happening are enough to give you hope in the moment. Uh, and so what then does Bastion do having the nameless one injured and Keratin, they're supporting them as best they can. What is Bastion doing in this moment faced with this enemy? I think we get a scene that doesn't happen very often for Bastion. They're, okay. they're very slow, but they do have like that big lobster tail. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to kick off and duck in their head and football into the side of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so then I think uh, let's go ahead and roll and unleash and we'll see what happens. What do I add to this? Uh, unleash is going to be uh, the question. Yeah. You're doing this to protect your community for sure. Yeah. Uh, are you doing this because you're the only one who can? I don't know. 
Probably not. Okay. Uh, and then are there really no other options? Do you believe that there are any other options at this point? No. Okay. You're looking at a plus two. A 12. Okay. That's good. On a hit, you tear scale from skin and face the consequences. So on a 10 plus, you choose one. So they retaliate as indicated. You lose ground and your opponent gains an opportunity or you lose control in a brutal or terrifying way. Yeah, let's lose some control. That sounds fun. Okay. There is a fight that happens here. This is a a massive, powerful opponent, but you you have been bolstered. You know in this moment that the safety of not only the other guardians, but the entire community rests on you. Paint the picture for us of what happens here against this reanimated whale skeleton. Yeah, I think um I think it starts off very kaiju fight. Okay. Just two big things going at. Uh but I think eventually we just get it pinned down mm-hmm. and the the boneyard tenders, the the people who normally do the scrivener's work yeah. and clean up the dead, uh go on the attack against a dead thing and are mm. like as we hold it down, they clean off this goop and start okay. just taking bits of it away. Okay. But I, I think like the big thing we get here is like there are a number of hits where we just see history wiped away. Just mm-hmm. large swaths. Just Okay. We watch this this fight happen, right? And there's there's a moment when it finally stops where there's there's just the broken and shattered remains of this, this skeleton. And there are bits of this purple fungus spread kind of all throughout the, the whale graveyard. And the nameless one is feeling just this, this like throbbing sensation of the taste of sulfur from the sea angels who are terrified beyond belief and are only slowly coming back to themselves. And as you look around right at, at the destruction, the homes of the sea angels are, are broken and and mirrored in the, the broken history of Bastion's back. And I'd actually like to, at this point, have us do the special move. Uh, what have we done? I think it makes sense for Bastion to roll this. And it's when you pause to reflect on the harm you've caused, roll plus conditions marked. As you sort of like look around and, and see the, the carnage of this fight and the damage to yourself and the community. All right. I don't have any conditions. Okay. Uh, seven. Okay. Uh, so on a hit, you worry that your actions were a part of who you are, who you were, or who you're becoming. So in this case, the sort of the, the trauma of what you had to do here and all of the, the history of, the, of yourself and your community and your kind that has been broken here affects you. And there are bits of the 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 purple fungus that is on these shattered bones as you're you're looking around the camera let's say the audience watching this 
sees it focus in on some of these purple pieces that are the sort of goopy texture that suddenly start to dissolve into a cloud of purple that begins to spread through the water towards you. Uh, and with that, uh, you're going to roll resist corruption, which is plus corruption mark. So if you have any in the track, you would add that, which I don't think you have any corruption at this point. No, okay. but I rolled a seven. Okay, so on a seven to nine, you stave off the corruption for now, but something inside you is unsettled. So mark a condition as as you feel sort of the, as you feel that starting to tug at you. Yeah. So how does, yeah, how, how does this leave you feeling after all of this? Probably isolated. All right. So we will cut ahead a little bit. It's a couple of days later and that purple cloud of, of whatever it was seems to have dispersed nameless one the wound hurt and felt worse than it should have i think um keratin you were able to use those medicinal organisms from your garden to kind of help heal the wound and and bastion you've you've had some time to kind of review some of the the footage and the memories that keratin has been able to pass to you and the the community has feasted so what I want to know is what side effect of this encounter with that corruption do each of you begin to show after a couple of days? So let's let's start with uh, Ursula, the, the nameless one. This wound that they have appears to have healed for the most part, but but how is the corruption that that touched them beginning to manifest either in their emotions or physically or um, or really in any way with the relationship with each other or the community. I think for the nameless one, that area where the wound was, the coral has bleached. Um, Interesting. And it's kind of in the bleaching, it's kind of stiffened. So their maneuverability in that, whichever, um, wing it was is reduced Mm -hmm. and they also like emotionally they're kind of they've had their first taste of like despair I guess and this feeling Mm -hmm. that maybe everything isn't going to be okay um and they can feel Bastion's grief in particular and keratin's worry and concern and so i think that's the very negative side of it but also the positive side is that they kind of maybe feel a bit more responsibility okay and so that they're they're learning from it yeah and like kind of matured a little bit as as Mm -hmm. a creature um and they're kind of feeling even more protective of not just the community, but of Bastion and Keratin Mm. in that way that a child kind of becomes protective of their parents when they grow (laughs) up a bit. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, And, and again, like you're all able to share emotions and feelings and thoughts when you want to. So 
you know, depending on how much of that Bastion was, was sharing in that moment, you may kind of have a sense of those feelings as well. So Keratin Tynhoff, what symptom of the corruption do they begin to show? Keratin's confidence is shaken. Um, Keratin has usually been very sure of themselves and their place mm-hmm. in the community and their role in the community. Um, but now they are questioning more and acting less. And that's leading to, you know, a lot of situations being more complex than they need to be more complex than Keratin's used to them being. Mm-hmm. I think what Keratin begins to focus on is like that, that purple goop, right? They, they mm-hmm. treated, uh, the, the wounds on the, on the nameless one. And they, they saw it, you know, in the, in the bones that were bleached. And I think they have kept a sample of it quarantined inside themselves. Okay. And they're obsessively studying it and it's leading to them feeling more isolated, more detached from the rest of the community because their focus has become so much on this. Can I solve the problem with this or can we solve? I should say. (laughs) Okay. And, and finally Bastion, what side effect is the corruption starting to show in Bastion? They're clearly depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mood moving slower. I think whenever camp is made, they show up an hour later. Like okay. the the caravan is stretching longer and longer. So I think we we get that scene of of Bastion sort of trailing behind as we're sort of like coming to the end of the episode, and we start to roll credits, right? And, uh, there's always that little cutscene at the end, right? This is the after credits thing. And I think what we see is we see the interior of Keratin and we see a couple of these eels sort of surrounding this, um, like psionically encased bit of the fungus. So there's this, you know, little glob of purple that's stuck to a piece of whalebone, a piece of bleached whalebone surrounded by this like shimmering bubble of energy, psionic energy. And we see a couple of these eels sort of looking at it and swimming around it. And, and there's a sound like a tear and we see this flickering tiny, tiny spot of void kind of pulsing open and appearing and disappearing. And then we cut. So, uh, that was descent into midnight. Uh, thank you everyone for playing. Um, thank you for joining us for international podcast month. Uh, we'll go around again. Um, I am Richard Kreutz Landry. I'm here representing, uh, whelmed the young justice files, which is at the YJ files on Twitter. Um, and uh this was great uh so waffles you want to give everybody your info as we uh head this out yeah um hey i'm waffles they them uh you can find me at at mahafia on twitter i'm between projects at the moment but if you need a guest star i'm available (laughs) (laughs) i love your work on uh the magpies by the way whenever you show up i love it i'm like yes (laughs) thank you so much um all right and ursula Thank you. I had so much fun. This is a really cool system. <laughs> um, my name is 
Ashla, my pronouns are she, her, and you can find me over at Queer Dungeoneers or Queer Dungeons on Twitter, uh, where an actual play podcast where we use the Dungeon World system at the moment, and it's an all LGBT QIA plus cast, and we have a lot of fun. Amazing. Uh, and finally, Matt, take us home. Hey, I'm Matt. I am the friendly guide of the Stories of a Broken Sun anthology podcast, which you can find at Broken Sun RPG. Or if for some inexplicable reason you want to follow me, that's at Y Caliber. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had a fantastic time and uh, been wanting to play this system since I first heard of it. And to play it with all of you has been a real treat. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, have a great September. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter and use the hashtag PodMonth2020. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.